0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, May 28th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We get the Mayor's thoughts on the current plan laid out by the Stampede Board for this year's edition of the greatest outdoor show on earth, and reaction from the mayor on the province's three-stage reopening plan.
1: Next, we had stateside. We get the latest on the vaccine rollout and news that a large number of Americans are already booking travel and summer vacations, with the kickoff being this Memorial Day weekend. So we speak with Jackson Prosco Washington Bureau Chief for Global News.
0: As India continues its huge battle against COVID-19, our partners at ET Canada are stepping up to lend a hand. We speak with host Sangeeta Patel about their upcoming special, ET Canada Presents... Help India.
1: And finally, Clubhouse. It's not just a sandwich anymore. In fact, it's the hottest new social media platform. We catch up with a social media specialist to give us a tutorial on Clubhouse and explain why you should be signing up. 8-12
0: 8-12 mornings with Sue and Andy and the Friday tradition on the program. A chance to catch up with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. He joins us to discuss all things Calgary. We'll get reaction from the mayor to the reopening strategy from the province. And specifically, when we talk about reopening, uh, we're looking ahead just a little over 40 days to the greatest outdoor show on earth. Good morning to you, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. Well, let's talk about this because I, you know, I've heard you you know, on these airwaves in our newscast yesterday in the past couple of days talking about your connection to the Stampede, how you're on the Stampede board. So so we need some clarification because from where we're sitting, we heard that there'd be a limited edition of Stampede, but we've, we've got a lot of reaction to this announcement yesterday that the chuck wagons will not be part of the 2021 Greatest Outdoor Show on Earth. So if you give clarification behind that decision to us.
2: Sure. Maybe I can uh, back up a little bit and... You know, mention that the Stampede has been planning for a wide variety of scenarios uh, of what might be possible. And we've talked about that before yeah. on this show that, you know, even last year we did only drive through events and nothing on the park. And we've always thought this year, especially if people get vaccinated, we'll be able to do something on the park. Um, and the question is, how big will that be? And so I don't think the Stampede uh, knew, you know, a lot of people are sort of saying, well, the Stampede is the one behind the gates that the Premier suggested. In fact, I don't believe the Stampede knew uh, what the Premier was going to announce uh, when he announced it. And it was a bit surprising to them that his press conference was all about the Stampede. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, uh, our goal, and I'll say our because I am a member of the board, has always been... Can we use the Stampede as an opportunity to say we're moving forward into a new chapter after the pandemic, but can we do so in a way that is really safe? So although the Stampede is about celebration and fun, it's also very serious. And we fully understand that we will likely be the first major event in Canada in a year and a half. And the eyes of the world will be on us. Um, And our responsibility is one we take very, very seriously to actually show How can you do an event like this where people can still have a good time, where we can still get that economic impact for the city, but do so in a way where people remain safe? And that is really the primary concern. So I don't think, and lots of details are still being ironed out because of the province's announcement, but I don't think you're going to see, you know, Stampede 2019 again. It's not going to be like that. It will be a little bit unfamiliar. But at the same time, it will be an opportunity for people to express that community spirit of us coming together. We're going to spend a lot of time, you know, not denying that COVID happened, but honoring what has happened, honoring the loss, honoring the frontline and essential workers and so on. Now, as it comes to the chuck wagons, this is not something that I'm really intimately involved with, but I can say that normally the stampede is sort of a culmination of a lot of um, other events. And the real sense was, if people were really thinking about safety in a different way, can you take folks who have not been competing um, for two seasons and then their first, you know, Pinocchio is cancelled as well, I understand, and their first major competition is that competition, and is that safe for the horses, is it safe for the athletes, uh, the riders, um, and the drivers? So uh, eventually the decision was taken that for this year only – it probably doesn't make sense from a safety perspective to continue with that and there will be a different kind of evening show involving different rodeo events than that
1: i mean we know you, we're never going to please all the people all of the time but it just seems this one is a, a came out of left field and it and from all the response from the chuckwagon drivers themselves it just doesn't seem like they even consulted with them. But I, I like you say, this isn't your decision when it comes to the chuckwagon races. I think people are just still a little concerned that maybe Stampede itself and having all those people in, in one place is, is too much too soon. And you've said the risk is worth the reward. Is you, you really feel that way?
2: If we get our vaccinations to that level, that's the critical piece, right? Which is we actually have to continue working on the vaccinations And we have to remember that we've got a lot of work to do because there are parts of the city and there are segments of society for whom getting the vaccination isn't very difficult. Because, you know, for me and for sort of people in my circle, we were very anxious to get it. And, you know, the moment that it opened up for our age groups, we were online, we were hitting refresh all day. And if an appointment popped up next Tuesday at 2 p.m., we grabbed that appointment. Right. And we're lucky because we got the flexibility in our lives to do that and to get our kids vaccinated in the same way. But for a lot of people, if you're working shift work, if you don't know what your shift will be next Tuesday, or if you're in a job where even though theoretically you're supposed to be allowed three hours paid to go get your vaccine, there's a lot of bosses and jobs where that's just not possible. So we have got to figure out better ways of getting that vaccine to everyone. And we've got huge geographic disparity across the city. The difference between the lowest vaccination zone and the highest is like 20%. And so we're not getting to that 70% by June 15th unless we are working really hard to ensure that uh, we have that vaccine. And and I've said it before, but I'm encouraging everyone to go out and get it. If you don't have it, then even if the restrictions are lifted, please continue to be careful until you have both shots. Uh, These are things that I just want us to be safe, and we don't want to end up in a situation—how many times have I said this over the last year— you don't want to be in a situation where you open and close again. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. Nope. And so we've got to be able to get through this um, in a very responsible way. As I've been saying for a while, we've got to finish strong. And yeah, I get it. that people are worried that we're going from 20 people in your backyard to the stampede. Right? Right. Yeah. That was a bit shocking to me, too, uh, when I realized that, that that was a pretty big step between phase two and phase three. Absolutely. But ultimately, if we can get to those vaccination rates, all of us want to reopen in some way. And if the Stampede remains as responsible as uh, we're trying to be, and we will, and if Stampede goers remain Mm -hmm. responsible, then I think that that can be a way for us to show Canada and the world, look, we're starting to get back to normal, but we're not doing so in a reckless way. We're not doing so in a way that denies all the loss of the last year.
0: We ought to take a quick break. Can you hang on for two more minutes, Mr. Mayor? I sure can. 821 uh, here mornings with Sue and Andy and more with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Uh, thank you for hanging on with us here, Mayor. We appreciate it. Um, we, we really focused in and, and had that laser focus on the greatest outdoor show on Earth, the Calgary Stampede, just over 40 days from now. But I want to get your thoughts on the stage, uh, three-stage reopening plan introduced by, uh, of course, uh, Premier Jason Kenney. Your thoughts on that three-stage plan. Would you have liked to see anything different? Marriage? He's without words. Sorry, there you go. Oh, there. My phone
2: just glitched there for a second. Yeah, I don't worries. know what happened there. So your thoughts? I swear it's so twenty twenty one. Oh, I it didn't is. Touch that mute button. It That's, it. Muted. Um,
0: That's it. That's um, it.
2: You know, I think like I, like many people, was a bit taken aback uh, when I heard the plans. Just about how quick it feels, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we are going to reopen at some point, and while. You know, the first two phases are very similar to what's happening in British Columbia and in Saskatchewan. I would have liked to have a little more emphasis on the second dose and what's Mm -hmm. the timing on the second dose and how many people can we get uh, two weeks post their second dose before we lift all restrictions, because between that first and second dose, you still have to be careful. You know, it is still possible to contract the virus, and there is a lot of evidence showing that the first dose is less effective against some of these variants. You really do need to have the second. Um, I was surprised in the messaging that the Premier gave that it was all about, you know, greatest summer ever, and there wasn't a lot of public health messaging in there for people who were unable to get the vaccine, for folks who may have other underlying conditions, uh, but in particular for what happens between the first dose and the second dose. And I'm just a little bit concerned that that kind of messaging will tell people once you get your first dose and 70% of people get their first dose, you're good. By the end of the summer, by the time kids really go back to school, by the time people really go back to work, we really need to be at 80% of the population having both doses. Mm -hmm. And so there's still a lot of work to be done to get to that level. And I I just want to really underline that because I, I think a lot of people would take away from what the Premier said that July 1st, we're all good. You don't have to do another thing. And, you know, I do not, I was in a, I was in a meeting with a bunch of um, international mayors and experts uh, set up by uh, the Harvard Bloomberg City Leadership Initiative. And they had some of the best epidemiologists and experts in the world at that thing. And they were telling us, this is the risk of a fourth wave in the fall. And this is what you do to avoid it. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that is kind of the upside down script that the province is reading. Um, so, yes, we need to lift the restrictions. Yes, we should have a good summer. Yes, the Stampede should be an opportunity to celebrate and we should be supporting businesses as they reopen. But we have to do so in a way that is responsible and make sure we never have to go through another wave of this.
1: We're here. Vaccinations, it's all about that. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Have a great weekend, Mayor.
2: Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great and safe weekend. Take care.
1: Thank you. That is Mayor Nahed Menchi. Long weekend for our friends down in the States. Let's find out what's going on with Jackson Prosko, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Jackson.
3: Good morning. Happy Friday.
1: Happy Friday to you. Long weekend, Memorial Day weekend for you down in the U.S. I understand a lot of travel plans for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, the country is really roaring back here. 37 million Americans are expected to travel here uh, for the Memorial Day weekend. And big events are back, too. We're going to see some of the largest sporting events since the start of the pandemic, including the Indy 500, where uh, they're expecting 135,000 fans in the stands, although that's actually only 40% of the stadium
0: capacity. Let's talk about that because it just seems even bizarre to see all of these people in the stands. Are, are you hearing, you know, from from friends, family, and, and coworkers, uh, you know, down there uh, that people are interested in going to these these large events? Are, are you hearing that people are comfortable, or, or, or is it the minority of people who are uh, hopping into these arenas and stadiums?
3: No, I think people are very comfortable coming coming back. You know, masks and that are still in place uh in most uh settings like this, but there's also a high degree of confidence in the vaccines. And we actually saw uh some research out this week from the CDC which suggested that as soon as the CDC revised its guidelines, it said, Hey, if you're fully vaccinated, the masks can come off, you can stop distancing, you can kind of get back to normal. That act that actually resulted in a huge increase in interest in getting vaccinated. Mm. So I think the messaging that vaccines equal normal life is getting out there, it's working. And uh, you know we're approaching 50 percent of americans who are now fully vaccinated uh that is an incredible feat uh ohio this week handed out its first million dollar jackpot for someone who was recently vaccinated in a lottery there so all these incentives they're they're working and they're making a difference
0: i was going
1: to say and that's not, that 50 percent, that's double vaccinated that's fully vaccinated so that's it's right. very different from what we're experiencing here particularly in alberta with with just the one shot so great news you can see why people are, are starting to really i mean that's what the vaccine's supposed to do for us so i guess it's making people feel a little little more easy about moving around.
3: It really is. Now, I will say, in fairness, Canada has surpassed the U.S. in first doses administered. Mm -hmm. Percentage of the population were the first dose out there. Uh, But that second dose is certainly, of course, the, the, the big thing that the CDC has said they want to see before people get back to normal.
0: Going back to Memorial Day weekend again, a big one on the calendar. I want to, I want to ask you this because we're hearing, uh, you know, here when we talk to travel experts that a lot of these travel companies are, are putting in incentives to get people back and interested in, in travel. Is that something that's having to be done in the U.S. or is it a case that it's, it's a hundred percent business as usual and these companies don't have to entice travelers?
3: Yeah, if anything, I would say there is now too much demand and not enough supply. There's a huge, huge shortage of rental cars, for example, here in the U.S., so much so that in places like Hawaii, where rental car companies sold off their fleets at the height of the pandemic and haven't been able to replace them, people are driving around the islands in U-Hauls because those are the only rental cars available right now. So uh, if you're trying to book a vacation property, especially something more like a vacation home or an Airbnb, those are in short supply. Flights are full again. In fact, we've had two new low-cost air airlines start up in the U.S. and launch here in the past week for the first time in more than a decade. So travel demand is surging back.
1: Uh, Jackson, are there any states that are in particular trouble right now still with COVID numbers and cases? Generally
3: speaking, everything is trending in the right direction across the country. Deaths and daily cases are at their lowest points really since uh, early May or April of 2020. So everything is headed in the right direction right now. Still not as low as they would, of course, like to see it, but it's certainly moving in the right direction
0: want to know uh, the latest on uh, the, the the tragic event that happened on Wednesday when a California transit employee killed eight co-workers and wounded another before taking his own life. Uh, this was, again, in, in San Jose, California, at the, at the transit yard itself. This seems to be almost a weekly thing. Uh, what are lawmakers saying? Is there any, you know, uh, approach or movement to change the rules and regulations around firearms at this point?
3: You know, I think most lawmakers and most gun control advocates are resigned to the fact that nothing is going to change anytime soon. It's really status quo, despite the fact that uh, not only is there sort of a renewed surge in these mass shootings as people return to schools and workplaces, but also, generally speaking, gun violence and murders and violent crime are soaring in big American cities, uh, really, really roaring back and not in a good way. And uh, yet, despite all that, no, there is not a lot of movement on gun control. That seems to be just a, a dead issue at this point in this country doesn't seem like something that's going to happen even though the biden administration has called on congress to pass some sort of common sense legislation uh like restoring the assault weapons ban which had expired or uh approving background checks in fact you've got states moving in the opposite direction like texas this week which passed legislation effectively lifting all restrictions on gun ownership
1: Wow, it's crazy Uh, let's talk about the trump family investigation that's another one that's got people kind of shaking their head what's the latest on that
3: uh it is reportedly headed to a grand jury, and that mm-hmm. grand jury may be calling witnesses at this point. It's not clear exactly who at the Trump organization may be under investigation, whether it's the organization itself, whether it's somebody like Alan Weisselberg, who is the money man, the CFO of the Trump organization, or members of the Trump family, or perhaps this is a pressure tactic on one to get them to flip on someone else. Big questions about where this is all heading, but not necessarily surprising. And really what they're looking into are the business practices here. Also, uh, tax avoidance. There are allegations essentially that uh, people working for the Trump organization like Alan Weisselberg were not given raises. Instead, they were given perks like uh, private school tuition for their kids or uh, apartments or vacation homes, non-taxable benefits to essentially shield the company from paying larger amounts of payroll tax.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, switch gears and talk about uh, current president, Joe Biden. And Uh, This week announcing that he's got a task force together to find out the origins of the coronavirus, a bit of a probe, if you will. Uh, What can they do differently than what we did see when there was, I believe, an independent committee over in China and specifically in Wuhan? What, What are they looking to find well, I think that independent committee actually faced questions about its
3: independence. And there were concerns from some scientists that it was too politicized, that it actually couldn't get to the truth. And so the U.S. is pushing the WHO to launch a second independent search. And what the Biden administration is essentially saying is that U.S. intelligence officials are actually split on one of two theories. Did this crossover from an infected animal to humans in the Wuhan area, or did it leak from that virus research lab in Wuhan? They've been sort of careful about uh. The lab leak theory, uh, in part because that was something pushed by the Trump administration, but more in the vein of a conspiracy theory that this had been some sort of bioengineered weapon that was man made. And the Biden administration is saying, look, there's no evidence that this was man made, but it is possible that this was a virus that was being researched inside the lab and then leaked out that way. And there was actually one uh, U.S. intelligence report that reportedly found that three workers from the lab, uh, the lab ended up in hospital with COVID like symptoms about a month before the first known cases of the virus emerged.
1: One of those interesting conspiracy theories that uh, I think everybody's kind of secretly waiting to find out is that was there any truth to it or not. It's a it's a fascinating one. Thank you so much Jackson. Have a great long weekend.
3: You too. Thank you.
1: Appreciate your time. That is Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News.
0: So interesting when I when we asked the question about the the travel and how Leslie Cater said there's going to be some great deals to be had to entice people when he mm-hmm. said down there, there's rental car shortages and people are booking like crazy.
1: Going about uh, their lives again, right? Because well, they can. They've got two shots for the and, most
0: part. Oh, yeah. And, and this does mark... Memorial Day weekend, really the beginning of summer in the U.S. I I don't feel the same way with our Victoria Day last weekend. I don't feel like (laughs) that marks. That's because it snows. That's because (laughs) I I sat out with my winter coat on Saturday night and we were into into the weekend. So, yeah, it's interesting how you mark summer. Um, and uh, obviously rolling along in the U.S. So I really noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but the the trees,
1: the blooms and blossoms on the trees have really popped out this week. Maybe it was the snow sort of got got it going on the long weekend. And the grass is
0: green. (laughs)
1: Six nineteen. I had posted on Facebook yesterday just asking people, you know, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? Will you go to Stampede with what we know is going to be happening this year? And let's see, I got dozens and dozens of comments, and I would say maybe a handful of people are comfortable going to Stampede, but for the most part, people say they just don't think that they'll go this year because it's not a full and true Stampede.
0: Well, yeah, and and the comfortability is something that you have to underscore because some people... It'll take quite some time to, to get into crowds like that after being, you know, essentially away from other human beings. Yeah, we've kind of is,
1: become scared yeah. in a way of, of being around people, And then, and,
0: and then we throw in the fact that they're changing it. Uh, so uh, a lot of different opinions, and we'll continue that conversation throughout the show.
1: Very different conversation we're having now. India continuing to fight a massive wave of COVID-19 infections. Well, Entertainment Canada, ET Canada, looking to help out. We're joined this morning by ET Canada's Sangeeta Patel to chat about an upcoming special to help raise money for India. Good morning, Sangita. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me this morning. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Okay, so tell us
4: what's going down. This is a special that's happening on Monday. That's right. So ET Canada presents Help India, and uh, this is a really important one for us as we're fundraising for something that's really important because of the humanitarian crisis that is happening in India. Um, And a lot of people are stepping up. We called all of our friends to be part of this, from Russell Peters, Mindy Kaling. We talked to the Prime Minister, Mahithir Ramakrishna, one of the biggest stars in India. Abhishek Bachchan's part of AJ Shetty. So all of us are coming together to raise funds, and we're going to help the Humanitarian Coalition, who already are on the ground to help with India's health care system with oxygen, ventilators, uh, just food security and basic survival. They just went through two major cyclones. So on top of everything else that's happening, there's just so much disaster there right now. And I know when Canadians have such incredible hearts, I know everyone's going to step up and help.
0: I'm wondering, Sangeeta, because you, know, you guys are busy at ET Canada to begin with. You got mm-hmm. this together, you know, and, and the names that you've dropped. There's so many huge names. So, so tell us about the process of arranging it on such short notice.
4: <laughs> it's a good question. It was one of those days, it's Asian Heritage Month, and it was at 9 o'clock, and I called our publicist, Melissa, and I said, we need to do something. Were, the numbers went up, and I was watching television, and you could see how the, the massive number of deaths, but it was the fact that people were dying because they couldn't get oxygen, and that hit me hard. And I talked to our executive producers and go, we need to do something. And they stepped up and said, let's do this. Let's do a fundraiser. Let's get Canadians involved and let's make this happen. And let's see how we can help in any way. So my heart is bursting with the fact that Chorus and ET Canada
1: has really stepped up uh, to help people that, that really need it right now. You know, you talk about not being able to get oxygen. Sometimes we in Canada yeah. can complain about our health care system. But right. we have no clue what it's like to live in a country like India where these people are, are suffering incredibly and I think even sometimes the news we're getting is probably not even completely accurate of how bad it is. Exactly and talking to people on the grounds I've talked to a few um, people in the medical care
4: in in India and one of the doctors who said to me you know the fact that I'm in medical care and I can't help people just to breathe and that that just gets to you and it's it's that's all it is so the amount of uh, of issues that are happening right now just the basic necessities, if this funding can help in just that way, people are not working, people are not able to. And we have to remember, India, where there's not a lot of space, a lot of people in the same vicinity couldn't really keep that distance that we were trying to teach everyone during COVID. And and, and they're all clustered together. So they don't have that luxury that we have here. And that's part of the reason why there's so, so many issues. So, uh, you know, we just got to help one step at a time. And uh, I know we can do this. And I know a lot of people around the world are helping. And I think. Just just in a little way if we can do this. I just want everyone to be part of this and, and just donate or anyway just even connect with people in India and just mentally also help them as
0: well. Thank you. We, we want people to watch it. We want people to take part and make a difference. Uh, can you give us the details and when it's going to be airing?
4: That's right. It's on Monday on Global, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and if you'd like to donate, you can go to together.ca by phone. You can go to 1-855. Four six one two one five four, or you can donate twenty dollars by texting together to four five six seven eight. So I-, I hope you're. You can watch. We're going to have some entertainment as well. We have Mindy Kaling part of it. We have LL Cool Jay. Nick Jonas is part of it. Awesome. So uh, you know, just people are just giving their voice and using their platform to help us out to support the humanitarian coalition.
1: As we should. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. That is Sangita Patel, ET Canada host. And again, go to together.ca to donate and get more details.
0: mornings with Sue and Andy. She's known as the TikTok coach, but that's not the only social media platform she teaches her clients about. Joining us now to explain the new platform called Clubhouse is business owner and TikTok coach, Samantha Kovlaschunu. Good morning to you, Sam. Hi, Andy.
5: Thanks so much for having me back.
0: Thank you for taking the time with us, Sam. We appreciate it. So, you know, outsiders looking in, we've heard this term Clubhouse. And the nuggets that I know about this, uh, Sam, is that it's, it's it's kind of exclusive, and it's mm-hmm. different when it comes to the format than other social media platforms. So, so can you break it down and how unique this is?
5: Absolutely, Andy. So Clubhouse is an audio-based only social media app that was actually only launched back in March 2020. It's been downloaded over 10 million times already, has about 3 million active users on any given week, and has about... 300,000 rooms happening daily. It's like a two-way conversation podcast. Or as others have put it, imagine if LinkedIn could talk. You're able to jump in on people's conversation with their permission to listen in on from topics about marketing, business strategy, parenting tips, sports, any topics you can imagine and that you're interested in, Andy.
1: So it's all just it's giant chat rooms, basically, Sam. And you can pop in wherever you want. Absolutely. It's like a virtual room, um, and it's only invite-only at the moment,
5: but it gives that ability where it brings back humanity back to conversation, right? So Clubhouse launched at a crucial point when COVID-19 hit, and the app helped replace in-person networking events.
0: Let's talk about the you know mm-hmm. the, the exclusivity, because, I mean, if I wanted an Instagram, a Twitter, um, you know, a, a Facebook account, I get on it I sign up. Not quite the case. Why do they have this exclusivity?
5: Well, the reason behind it is because it's such a new app. They're still so young that they're still in the beta phase. So in order to make sure that the quality is there, they want to make sure that whoever you invite is a quality person that would really enjoy the app. Okay,
1: why is it good for my business, Sam? Why do I need to be on it? Well, that's a
5: really good question, Stu. If you're an entrepreneur just like myself, this is a huge opportunity to show up as a thought leader educate your audience on topics you're an expert in, and you're able to market yourself without directly selling. And you get a lot of quality leads coming in from people you had never been able to connect with before.
0: What about some of the drawbacks? Why would we you know, maybe veer away from Clubhouse and choose something more traditional, you know, so to speak, like a Facebook?
5: <laughs> Absolutely. So because it's only audio-based, There's no rooms where you're supposed to be recording anything. So they really try to uh, hit on the whole fear of missing out mindset. So it's either you're there or you're not. And so a lot of times uh, on Clubhouse, you'll notice on users, is that they spend a lot of time on there. So you need to set boundaries or else you can lose a whole day on Clubhouse where you wouldn't (laughs) do that with Facebook and Instagram.
1: Okay, uh, one quick question. Just a yes or no answer, Sam, for me before we let you go. But So if somebody invites me to Clubhouse, should I say yes now for fear I might never get on? Uh, I think you should, yes. You'll see a lot of fun tips on there, yes. Okay, deal. Doing it. Thank you so much. Now we understand a little bit better. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Andy, so much. Appreciate Have it. Have a good day. You too. That is business owner, TikTok coach, social media coach, really, Samantha Kovalas-Chunu, and you can find more information at the TikTokcoach.ca.
0: Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't
1: forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find
0: your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.